Guys, good Tuesday afternoon. Jerry Miller, welcome to the I Love Seville show. Thank you kindly for joining us. We are live in our downtown Charlottesville building, the Macklin building on a gorgeous Tuesday afternoon. The show airs on every social media platform known to mankind, and today's program is presented by the Clifton and Keswick, um, and also Scott Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. We stand by both the Clifton and Keswick and Scott Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. Um, two brands that understand the concept of customer service and, and, and really making their clients and customers feel special. Um, so, so props to both um, for being pillars of this community. Look at the screen for talk show topics today. The Seville gun buyback program was a topic yesterday. I asked on this show for Charlottesville City Hall and, and counselors and the police department to integrate plans um, that featured a gun buyback program. I caught some resistance on yesterday's program about this because of the futile nature of gun back, buyback programs and, and whether or not they yield actual tangible results. Um, at last night's city council meeting, City Hall responds well to what we're talking about on the show here, and Michael Rogers, the city manager, says last night after yesterday's show that the police department will, in fact, put together a gun buyback program. So topic at lunchtime yesterday, by the evening of the same day, in a city council meeting on the record, city manager saying, we hear you, community, the gun buyback program will become a reality. Um, details on that on today's show. I'll also offer perspective from John Blair. John Blair is a friend of the program. He's just a stand-up guy. Stand-up guy uh, is how I would describe him. Enjoy seeing John, and I think a lot of people would uh, echo those statements. He offered what I thought was pretty, uh, pretty on-point perspective yesterday in the comment section about the violence we've had in this area and how we could remedy that violence. And in particular, John points to the socioeconomic struggles facing many in this community. This statement really resonated with me and John's comments from yesterday. Um, and John was relaying stuff that he's heard in this community from his time working in City Hall and just being a stakeholder in the community. He said, I hear, I've heard this often, that you're either making minimum wage in Charlottesville or you're rich. So he offers perspective that I think is valuable on what's created violence locally. I will relay that perspective to you and unpack it with Judah Wickhauer, who's just blossoming on this program um, and, and a fantastic contributor to, to the show. We'll do that in the second slot of today's program. I also want to talk the, the fallout from Champion Hospitality Group. Judah, it continues, this time with an article in the Daily Progress about, how do, how do I say this? Can we work you into a two-shot? Um, is, it, is it Brazier Cezanne? I just never understood the concept of this brand. Brasserie. Okay, yeah. The, the, the restaurants in the newspaper, again, this time asking questions about being temporarily closed. Hunter responds to the newspaper saying, we're going to open back up, does not respond to the, the employee scuttlebutt about paychecks not going through and walkouts happening at the restaurant. 
This article leads um, to a chef locally with notoriety and Chris Humphrey to issue an official statement on his social channels, distancing, distancing himself completely from Hunter Smith and Champion Hospitality Group. We can show that statement if we want on screen now. This was posted by Chris Humphrey, the chef, um, I'd say two hours ago. Um, is that on screen? Yeah. That is? Thank you. Thank you kindly. Look at the screen for those that are watching. For those who are listening to the audio version alone, Chris writes on his social channels, I, I just read, I was just in the article about Brazier Cezanne, and I want it to be known that I have no affiliation with Champion or Brazier anymore. I do not want my name associated with any of the problems they are having. And then he literally says in the comment section, this is the executive chef, that Hunter could not pay staff or vendors. Did you see that comment? No. He says that in the comment section. Yeah. So this is the, the chef saying it. Mm-hmm. I know Chris Humphrey, stand-up guy. More on that on today's show. Tell the viewers, tell your friends about the program and what we're going to cover today. I'm going to take a deep dive on Champion um, and, and this storyline. I'm also going to talk Downtown Mall Block Party coming in April to the Downtown Mall. What does a successful block party look like to the community? And we'll talk Reese Beekman and Key A. Clark and, and, and Jaden Gardner earning all ACC honors and, and ask this question, what impacts the Charlottesville economy more than men's basketball? I think men's basketball has a more significant impact in totality, and totality is over the course of an entire season, has the greatest impact on the Charlottesville economy possible. I'll, I'll, I'll say men's basketball impacts the Charlottesville economy more so than graduation, more so than football, more so than move-in weekend. And why I say that is because men's basketball, the, the, the depth of a schedule, home games, game after game, folks watching at bars and restaurants, postseason, UVA men's basketball has success. Can you literally give me an idea of what influences, from a positive standpoint, more the economy in Charlottesville than UVA men's basketball? I think that's the number one driver of anything event-related possible. Now, of course, there's comments like UVA in general impacts the Charlottesville economy more than Ben's basketball. Obviously, obviously. I'm talking about sport, event, something like that. All right, why don't you put the first um, headlight on screen on the lower third. And is that on a one-shot or a two-shot when we're starting, J-Dubs? Uh, what do you mean when we're starting? With the, uh, with the headline on screen, are we going to do the headlines on screen? We're introducing a new feature to the program where on the show, if you look at the screen now, you'll be able to see what the topics we're talking about. We're trying to keep you, the viewer and listener, kind of up to speed with the content we're talking about in real time. So we're doing a, a lower third that's on screen, which is basically a graphic we put on there that shows um, the topic that we're talking about. Do we have that one on there, on there now for the first talking point? That's great. Is that on a uh, two-shot or a one-shot with us? Uh, if it's us, it's a two-shot. Okay, so that lower third's on a two-shot. That's great. Um, Philip Dow giving you props, um, and Juan Sarmiento uh, giving you some props. Great. Thank you. I love it. That's, I, I like that. Look at the screen. We're trying to make some changes for you. So as we go to the two-shot, which you see on screen now, we have the topic of what we're talking about 
and we'll rotate this topic so you guys can stay up to speed on what we're chattering about. We're trying to make the show better for you guys. We, we generally, do we not work pretty damn hard on this? Yeah. I mean, seriously, right? Um, all right, let's talk about the gun buyback program. I was surprised with the resistance I got yesterday and the friction to the gun, buy, uh, gun buyback program on yesterday's program. Um, and I understand that the questions for the gun buyback program are, will actual criminals turn their guns in for money? I think when, that's the only question to ask. When, when criminals need their guns to be criminals. I mean, if you're a 20-year-old who may have a 17- and a 19-year-old come up on you with guns in a sunshine mart or whatever, I don't know why you would ever even contemplate selling your, your gun. Totally fair point. Justifiable point. I understand that point. On yesterday's program, this time yesterday, I asked City Hall to do a gun buyback program. Last night, hours after our show... Michael Rogers interrupts the flow of conversation and literally says, on the record, he's the city manager, we hear the community wanting a gun buyback program. Literally the topic we talked about. He says, on the record during the meeting, we're going to do this. Okay, so Charlottesville's going to do it. He said the police department's going to do a gun buyback program. I do not, I agree with you, this could be... Um, the likelihood of this getting significant firepower off the streets is not great. But in the words of Robert Liberty, the zoning and housing advocate, this is a silver buckshot strategy. It's not a silver bullet. So the buyback program is one option to solve gun, drug, and gang violence, along with stakeholder involvement, empowering nonprofits like the Buck Squad, asking church, churches, deacons, and advocates in churches to get maybe more involved with the youth and, 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 and their respective ecosystems, fixing the police department from a hiring standpoint when a third of the department is unemployed, that's going to cause obvious problems, giving police chief Cautious, who I saw this afternoon outside the free speech wall as I was checking the P.O. box, to see what came in from a receivable standpoint, okay? Um, I saw Cotchist on the, what is that thing called that the police officer on the downtown mall rides? Uh, Segway? On the Segway. I saw Cotchist on the Segway this afternoon in front of the free speech wall as I was checking the P.O. box for receivables if any checks had come in from clients. And I saw him on the Segway, trying it out. Very approachable guy. Have I ever seen Brackney doing like side tricks and not ollies, but just kind of like, you know, checking out the, the segue. I've never seen Brackney doing that, okay? So I, I, my point is, and then I'm going to weave you in the mix, it's a silver buckshot strategy. And you agree with me. There's a lot of stuff that needs to happen to resolve this. The gun buyback program that we discussed yesterday literally is now going to become a reality, which I'm excited about, Jude. I'm excited. Okay. Do you not agree it's a silver buckshot strategy? If by that you mean that it's one, uh, <clears throat> one of many things that, uh, that the yes, that's police what that department means. can do. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the, uh, I think the gun buyback program is uh, it's an, it's an optical... Uh, You're saying it's a publicity stunt. 
Yeah. Just cut to the chase. You, you're saying this is a publicity stunt strictly for photography and social media purposes, a concocted branding strategy from the Charlottesville Police Department. That's what you are saying. Yeah. And that's, I, I, what, I don't want to put words in, in your mouth. What, is that what you are saying? Yes, that's what I was getting okay. to. Okay. And, and I, I'm sure that uh, they were like, okay, you guys, you guys want to see something out in the open, fine. We'll do a buyback program because it's very, uh, it's very out in the open and it's something that we can, uh, you know. Leverage. We, Leverage. It's optics. Leverage. It's optics. Strategy. Look, the gun buyback program is not going to solve this. Warrior AG, we'll get to your comments. Anonymous, we'll get to your comments. Lisa Custolo, the queen of Cherry Avenue, we'll get to your comments. We hope, um, uh, what, what was his, the, the uh, Deep Throat's son's nickname? Um, high Voice? High Voice. We hope High Voice is watching. Son of Deep Throat as well. John Blair, we're going to get to your comments yesterday. Um, I understand that this gun buyback program is going to be utilized on social media and will be in the nightly news TV and print the next day and we'll probably continue talking about it on this program. And I understand that this is building potentially equity or goodwill for the department. And let's cut to the chase. Goodwill and equity with this department have been few and far between of late. So part of running a healthy police department is having a bit of goodwill and equity in the bank. Because you're going to need to leverage and utilize that goodwill and equity to solve crimes. And I think this gun, buy, gun buyback program, while it may be some optics and it may be some PR strategy, it's going to get some guns off the streets and some guns are better than no guns off the streets. And it's also going to give Cotchis and his lieutenants, Tito Jarrett, um, DJ, this entire police department, an opportunity to, to make human connections in communities and to get face-to-face -face time with people in the community. And that FaceTime is an opportunity for change. And that FaceTime is an opportunity for connection, and it's an opportunity to build something potentially positive. And you are a guy that genuinely cares about this community. I've seen it in the 12-plus years we've worked alongside each other. This police department is much maligned right now. And to fix or rehabilitate or remodel or recover whatever alliteration you want to use, a malign police department, you gotta, we got to give them an opportunity to, to connect with people, white, black, Puerto Rican, Haitian, minimum wage, below wage, wealthy, one percenter, multimillionaire, whatever it may be. That's what they're trying to do. I, I, I totally get what you're saying. Totally get what you're saying. I hope there's something positive that comes from it. I'd like to read John Blair's analysis on this, if you want to put the next headline on screen. Um, and eventually we'll get to the point where we can be real fluid about transitioning these headers. Um, I really like, and then we can also put it on the lower third coming out of this. Um, but let's leave this on screen. Look at this comment. This is from John Blair. I'm going to say this once, I'll say it again. When John Blair leaves stuff on social media and he tags me in it, he makes me think, more than, than many, uh, many folks. Here's what he posted on the show yesterday. I'm going to read this out loud for those that are live streaming in their car, on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or maybe even social media through, through Bluetooth in your vehicle. 
JM, here are a couple of ideas besides gun buybacks. First, we need to understand that violence is an option when other avenues are closed off. You don't just decide, hey, I'll go shoot someone in isolation. Rather, you are led to this choice by a belief that life has little to offer and little meaning. Clearly, institutions are failing Charlottesville's youth. I am not an expert in this field, but there needs to be a deep recommitment to investing in mentoring and offering opportunity to the city's young people. Second, a lot of this hopelessness is the chasm that develops on Charlottesville's job wage scale. The one thing that I consistently heard in Charlottesville was you either make minimum wage or you're rich. If we don't think that this has a direct bearing on feelings of hopelessness, then we are not thinking clearly. We need to attract more mid-skill, mid-income jobs to the area. The days, the, what's, what's that word? Is it Halcon? What's, do you know Halcyon. that brand? What is it? Halcyon. Thank you. Days of post-World War II era of stable families, housing, social co cohesion were a direct product of a strong middle class. If people believe that tomorrow can be better than today, they're a lot more likely to shun violence and destruction and focus on their own futures. Signed, John Blair. Let's go back to the two-shot, put the lower third on screen so folks know what we're talking about. I'm going to take two things from this. First, John's coming up with... Um, John's making a very good point that there's a socioeconomic aspect aspect to this. Thank you. Great, great work. Aspect to this. Mm -hmm. I agree 100%. I would imagine. I don't want to assume. Do you agree? What's that? You would agree? Oh, yeah. I think yeah. he's spot on. Yeah. The, you're either a millionaire or you're making minimum wage. A little bit of hyperbole there, but certainly very applicable to Charlottesville and Almoral. A little bit of hyperbole. There's a little bit of hyperbole. The, but the gap is ever widening between uh, the haves and the have-nots. That's my second take from John's analysis. My second take from John's analysis is the erosion of middle class. The erosion of middle class and how this echelon or platform that someone could potentially financially strive to attain is disappearing, and then the gap between, say, financial difficulty to that next platform, which maybe we'll call millionaire, upper class, multimillionaire, whatever you want to call it, is such a large delta. Let's call it secure and insecure. I'll let you, you I want to hear you go down that road. But the delta is so large that it seems unattainable, and that creates the hopelessness he's talking about. Anywhere you want to go. Yeah, I mean, calling it secure and insecure, uh, call it uh, people, who, people who don't have to worry about, I mean, you know, we've talked on this show and, and uh, Real Talk with Keith Smith about food deserts. We've talked about, uh, you know, what it takes to get into a starter home. We talk about uh, the, co the cost of rents going insane. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure most of the people out there have seen the, uh, seen the statement that you'll, uh, uh, you'll own one day, you'll own nothing and you'll be, and you'll be happy with it. Basically, uh, once all the, once all the homes are bought and all you can do is rent, uh, once all your, uh, entertainment 
is is on a monthly subscription, you're not going to own anything. And if you're barely making ends meet, then basically all of your money is getting funneled into those things that uh, that monthly take up, you know, your hard-earned pay. Oh, a little doom and gloom right there. <laughs> Wake up and Jesus, a little well, doom no, and gloom. I, You're basically saying everything is going to become a licensing deal or a subscription model, and when it's all said and done, anything that you can have tangibly to call your own will be the clothes that you have in your closet, the shoes that you have on your feet, and maybe uh, your, your Apple products or your Dell products. <laughs> Your, 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 your Google phone, and that's it. That's basically what you're saying. Yeah, and it's nice to have the comfort of being able to laugh about it, but I think what uh, John... I think there's Blair, a little bit of hyperbole there I with you, John but go Blair, ahead, go ahead. I think what John Blair is talking about is basically that. Like, these people, we, we have the comfort to laugh about that. At least now we do. But what about, what about a lot of the people that are on the fringes of... Uh, of society in in charlottesville what about when you're you know 20 years old and you're not making ends meet i mean look at this comment from kevin yancey mayor of waynesboro when there are people in seville spending more money on meal on a on one meal and cocktails than some families spend on a month in groceries because that's all they can afford then yeah that's a major problem Yes, there is a major disconnect. Major, I mean, obviously we have a significant wage and income disparity in in Charlottesville and Almaro in particular. It's obvious. And I've said on this program, before we head to this next topic, and Judah has echoed these thoughts, if we're not careful... We're going to be left with a frontline industry, call it servers, back of the house, front of the house, staff at restaurants, police, EMTs, firefighters, nurses, teachers. We're going to create a community where that, those frontline professions that are heroes obviously won't be able to afford to live here, so you're going to have considerably less of those options. Like, if you can't staff a restaurant or staff a school or staff a police department, and all that stuff is happening literally now, they can't staff the police department. They're having a hard time staffing schools. You can't staff restaurants locally. You're having a hard time staffing coffee shops locally. You're eventually going to have a lot less of those options, and when you do... One of the reasons Charlottesville is seen as this world-class city is the depth and restaurant roster, for example, and or safety in the community. Charlottesville was never going to be a world-class city or the best place to live in America if it had the crime it did now. If the murders that were happening right now in the crime wave we've had over the last 10 months persisted 15 years ago, Charlottesville, Virginia would never have been bestowed the honors of the best place to live in America. No doubt. Because they would have Googled and researched the writers, Charlottesville, and one of the first things that would have showed up in the, social me- in the Google searches would be these news stories about death and murder. And writers wouldn't put on Bloomberg or on Patch or on all these other media publications that jump-started Yankees and nomads and folks from outside Charlottesville, Charlottesville and Central Virginia, maybe, and I use this tongue-in-cheek, you can utilize the word carpetbaggers. I love all the carpetbaggers. 
to flood here. That media and that press created a lot of people flooding here. Mm -hmm. If this crime wave happened when those articles were coming out, they would never have been published or printed. Nor we wouldn't have been published or printed in them. Nor would we have been published or printed either. So you start seeing, look, and, and walk, walk, walk with me here, viewers and listeners. Walk with me here, Judah, then you jump in. You're starting to see that the amenities that have made the community, Charlottesville and Almoral, so incredibly special to attract the attention it got from national media. Restaurants. Safety. Police. Schools. Academic performance. Schools. Kids. These categories are being chipped away by labor shortage and a lack of human capital. Safety and police, a third of the department is, uh, is, is empty. People, one of the reasons they don't want to take jobs with the Charlottesville Police Department is because they can't afford to live in Charlottesville. They'll be commuting from outside of Charlottesville, which is going to erode their salary margin, their profit margin, their take-home pay. So police departments got vacancies in empty spots. And because it's got vacancies in empty spots, safety is getting impacted. Safety is getting impacted. That's all being influenced by the lack of labor. Another influencing the lack of labor. Restaurants are closing. Brazier Cezanne, and you can put the next headlight on screen if you can, because this is a perfect segue into this. Brazier Cezanne, and is that how you say this? I don't even know how to say this. Why would you name it this? I can't even say it. What is it? Just, should I just use the initials? What are the initials? Do I call it by the initials? What are the initials of this restaurant? <laughs> Do you really want what to What are the there? initials? I'm sorry. I don't. What are the initials of the restaurant? BS. Oh, maybe it's apropos. <laughs> maybe it's... Uh, I'm sorry. That was a low blow. I apologize. That was a low blow zinger. Low blow zinger. Um, the restaurants can't staff. We can't staff restaurants. <laughs> One of the things that attracted national media to Charlottesville was the depth in restaurant offerings. We're starting to see that, like safety and police, chip away because of lack of labor. Folks can't afford to take these jobs because they're living in Buckingham or Waynesboro or Fluvanna or Louisa because they can't afford to live in Charlottesville or Almoro. And by the time they do a 90-minute round-trip commute, you're starting to work for not a lot of money. Not Same to, thing with teachers. Not to mention the fact that, uh, that inflation is cutting into restaurant profits so they can't afford to raise, raise what they're paying people. We're, we're, it's, it's the proverbial death of a thousand cuts. National media given to Charlottesville, best place to live. Gets in the spotlight. Attracts a lot of wealthy out-of-towners that maybe had ties to the university in four ma magical years as undergrads or as graduate students. Or they, just read about it being the best place to live. Or just read about it as being the best place to live. They flock to the area. They flock to the area with wealth. They mm -hmm. flock to the area with wealth, gentrifying OG Charlottesville out of a home OG Charlottesville loves. As OG Charlottesville's gentrified out of the area, the jobs that OG Charlottesville was staffing, restaurants, police, teaching, baristas, frontline, firefighters, EMTs, start becoming empty. All the reasons we got this national attention to track all these out-of-towners to this area are, in a lot of ways, what is gentrifying and turning these jobs into vapor? 
into vapor. And it gets to John's comment. It's a perfect segue into Brasserie Saison. I mean, it's a fair question to ask if Hunter's Restaurant, one of them, is on ice. Okay? Daily Progress is writing another article about this. And the previous article written in January, Mary Jean Jackers, his press spokesman, was doing the talking for Hunter. In the article that came out yesterday or today, Mary Jean Jaggers referred all questions to Hunter. Yeah. Didn't want anything to do with the story. The PR firm is distancing herself, Mary Jean Jaggers and Jaggers Communication, from Hunter by saying to the reporter, talk to Hunter, not me. Yeah. That tells me she's not working the account or that tells me Hunter owes her some money. She's not being paid. Or she's not working the account. Because her values don't align with the values of what are transpiring in life. Okay? That's one thing you should realize from the article. Another thing you should realize from the article is the reporter utilized some copy from social media, from the internet, from the website that talked about Chris Humphrey being on the Brazier Saison team. Chris Humphrey was probably tapped on the shoulder or texted or buzzed or DM'd by a boatload of people yeah. saying, hey, dude, you're in this article about Hunter and, 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 and maybe making... Do you want your name Do you want your name associated? Right. And he issues a statement. Should you put the statement on screen? And, and viewers and listeners, we'll get to all your comments. What's up? Look at the screen from Chris Humphrey. The, 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 the statement from Chris Humphrey from earlier today. This was the executive chef, the head chef. At, how do you say it? What's the initials? What is it called? Brasserie. What? What? What are the? BS. What are the in it? B. Okay. Chris Humphrey says, "I was. I just was. There's a little error there, but I was. I think what he's saying is, I, think, I was just in an article. Or I think he meant to say, I just saw the article. Okay. I just. Okay. Saw. I was just in the article the about was around. Yeah. About Braz. Braz. What say? Um, and, and want it to be known that I have no affiliation with Champion or, or Brasserie anymore. I do not want my name associated with any of the problems they are having. I mean, you don't see executive chefs having to issue two-sentence statements like this often, do you? No. Would you, would you say you have to issue, you've seen this often? No. Most chefs are proud of their restaurants. Uh... I think you put the next lower third on screen there. I don't see a lot of executive chefs issuing. I personally know Chris Humphrey. I know him from the dual chef showdown days when, when Jackie Dunkel and Judah and I were running the dual chef showdown. It was a fantastic event. Got to meet Chris th through, through dual. Met Chris when he was at Fellini's. He owned Fellini's for a little while, Chris Humphrey. Knew Chris um, from Rapture. Believe he was at Maya for a little bit. Dude is a talented, badass chef. Talented chef, Chris Humphrey. Dude's got skills. Dude knows approachable cuisine, American cuisine. He knows how to work with a short staff. He knows how to make food stretch. He knows how to, how to run a kitchen. Dude knows what's up. And here, the dude who knows what's up is saying, I got no ties to this company anymore. Then you do a little reconnaissance and you hear through the grapevine because I'm in the business of brokering real estate and brokering deals with entrepreneurs who want to buy businesses that Who's Brew, 
Champions Coffee Shop on High Street is being chatted, pitched, talked about, and insider circles as, as being available for sublease at 3000 a month. You hear, I mean, I, having this out is good because it could potentially land him a sublease or a champion. You should put the other headline on screen if you want. Lower third. He's looking to sublease who's brew. And of course he's looking to sublease. He wants to get out of the 3000 a month exposure tied to the rent for a coffee shop that never materialized on a... On a on an area of Charlottesville that's a construction zone and a cluster duck, quack, 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 from a traffic standpoint and a walking standpoint. Subleasing or trying to market the, the subleasing potential of who's brew just to distance the exposure of 3000 a month rent. That's what the rent is for that spot. If you're the landlord of who's brew, a coffee shop, and you got someone who's personally guaranteed a lease for 3000 a month, for a set term. You're not going to be hungry or eager to find a new tenant for that space when you know your current tenant is personally guaranteed a lease. And is locked in. And has a business that's not running. So it's not wearing and tearing the space that you own. So this is what the landlord has on High Street. Let's just utilize a little bit of reason and, and business and, and be good business people, all right? This is what we do for a living. You own a space. You're the landlord. The space is a converted bank on High Street. You got a lease that's personally guaranteed with someone who signed it that is not running their business out of it. So you're getting 3000 a month and your space is not getting abused or wear and tear. If you're in the landlord, you're probably in the catbird seat. Are you not? Yeah. No walls being busted, no HVAC units being overrun, no asphalt that needs to be sealed, no water or leaking issues from the coffee pots or the coffee machines, none of that. So if you're the landlord, you're just going to be like, hey, pay your rent for the rest of the term. If you're the tenant, you're going to be like, Jesus, I need to find a subleaser immediately. This is $3,000 a month, $36,000 a year, three years left on the lease. We're talking about 100 g plus. Let's figure this out. That's why it says in the conversations you have with insiders that the subleasing is pending landlord approval. And landlord can do that. That's in the lease. And no one should be calling landlord bad names. This is clearly outlined in the paperwork. No shark names for the landlord. You're assuming. No, I'm not assuming. I know. Okay. This is what I do professionally. I know. I know. No, no. No assume. What are your thoughts? You're valued here. I mean, a chef offering statements, distancing himself from restaurants... Yet another article in the newspaper, and now a subleaser search or hunt for a coffee shop that never materialized. Should the progress be covering this story? What do you mean, should they? Should the progress be covering this story? Is this, I mean, I, this is news. This is news. 
fine line for the progress. Yeah, I think they should be covering it. It's a fine line for the progress. Although I think they should be doing their due diligence in terms of, uh, you know, contacting people like uh, people like Humphrey and uh, getting actual quotes. Instead uh, of regurgitating copy from a website from months ago. Yeah, I mean, when, when people like Chris Humphrey have to, have to go on Facebook and make, uh, make statements distancing themselves from their former employer because the, uh, the newspaper... I mean, it's not like that was a. It's not like that fact was hidden under mounds of paperwork. They could have just contacted Chris. I mean, maybe he said no comment. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, or maybe it was difficult to comment, difficult to reach. I've been in that position. Maybe you just don't want to talk to him. But I mean, yeah. But then why go on Facebook and make a statement afterwards? There, that's a fair comment. That's a fair, fair response. Fair response. I mean, the least you would do if somebody contacted you is be like, hey, I'm not working there anymore. I don't want to be associated with the place. Uh, you know, if you're going to mention me, mention that I don't work there anymore. Oh, I'll get to your comments, guys. Comments are coming in fast and furious. Thomas Leroy, welcome to the show. Daniel Pettit, welcome to the program. Scott Aaronworth, King of Virginia Beach, welcome to the show. I think he's at the whiskey jar, Scott. I think Chris Humphrey's at the whiskey jar right now. That's what it says on his uh, page, I think. Oh, it does? It does um, say that on his page? On Facebook, I think. Deep Throat will get to your comments. Um, oh, a lot of comments coming in on Twitter. Um, Dylan's Rule, I'll get to your comments. Linnell L. Edelinu, I'll get to your comments. Warrior AG here, I'll get to your comments. Um, what's a successful downtown mall block party look like to you as you go to the next lower third on screen we got a downtown mall block party coming up in April this downtown mall, mall block party I, you, I'm going to straight up say this the second annual downtown mall block party which is put on by the Tom Tom Festival and Paul Beyer it's coming uh, next month um I think there's more pressure on this block party than they truly realize. April 21st, Friday, Saturday, April 22nd. Um, it's going to be a New Orleans-style festival for two nights. Grab a drink from your favorite local bar. Take a walk. Check out galleries and shops. The website says listen to live performances. Hang out with friends. The co-hosts are R.L. Byer, Seville, Friends of Seville, Downtown, Virginia's for Lovers. Oh, look at this. Ludwig Kutner who is obviously a huge commercial property owner, he's now got his own logo. He's one of the sponsors of the Downtown Festival. Look at the screen. You got your glasses on over there? No. Can you see that? Uh, is it the one on the far left? No, right there. Oh. Ludwig has his own logo. It says Ludwig Kutner on there. All right. The philanthropist, the real estate developer, the small business entrepreneur and investor and incubator, the capitalist... The uh, art enthusiast, the Charlottesville evangelist Ludwig Kutner, his name forever memorialized with a graphically designed logo that you can find on the footer of tomtomfoundation.org forward slash block dash party. Ludwig is a good guy. I've done many interactions with him. Uh, misunderstood guy. How about a misunderstood guy? What does a successful downtown mall block party look like to you? 
How about you, viewers and listeners? I've never seen a block party here, so I'm not really sure what, uh, I mean, I'm guessing success would mean uh, a boost to the businesses on the mall, um, and maybe even a boost overall in the economy due to uh, uh, people coming in from outside of Charlottesville and uh, booking up hotel rooms. I think you missed one word. I missed one word. One word. What does a successful downtown mall block party look like like to you, viewers and listeners? The first word that should be utilized when describing a successful downtown mall block party. What's that word, viewers and listeners? What do you guys think? What do you think that one word is? Safe. Safe. Okay. How about how about two That's words? Not scaremongering, though. How about two words? No murders. How about three words? Okay, but that's, I think that's being... Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. What? That's why I think this downtown mall block party, um, Joel, Joel uh, Bird, who I went to high school with, um, welcome to the show, Joel Bird. He says the block party in Hampton Roads, the, the first word they talk about is safety. That's why I think this block party, because we've had a, a, a high clip of murder... Um, and gun violence. The marketing collateral utilized for this block party should emphasize the family nature and the safe nature of the block party. And then Paul Beyer, who I've played squash with in conjunction with the police department, city council, city hall, maybe this private security that he hires, needs to make sure that this 48-hour event goes off without gun, drug, or gang violence. This is an opportunity for rehabilitation recovery, and therapy for the community, certainly from a branding and imaging standpoint. Because the alternative is catastrophe. Thousands of people densely populated in an eight-block area. I mean, the the alternative is catastrophe. So the first word with this block party should be safe. You will likely be strolling the mall with your bracelet having a beverage or two, will you not? I certainly will be. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Me too. Did you go to the other one? No, I wasn't at the last one. What's that? No, I don't think I went to the last one. It was awesome. It was an open-air beer garden. An open-air beer garden on the downtown mall. Kevin Yancey does not like that everything is alcohol-related. The booze, booze brings bodies, Kev. Booze brings bodies. Right? I mean, this is, whether we want to admit this or not, this is a, a booze, this is a boozy town. This is a, uh, a town driven by beer and booze and cider and wine. It brings the bodies. Um, comments coming up, your comments in two minutes. Two items out of the notebook. I want to see what the, uh, the lower third looks like on a one shot. Do we have enough uh, square surface area? on the one-shot lower third to put the headline in or no? Uh, you mean on the shot with you and the headlines on the... Yeah, yeah. And you want the headline... Yeah, like let's see what the all-ACC Beekman Defensive Player of the Year headline looks like on a one-shot with me with, that, with the headers on the right side as well. Um, I'd love to see what that looks like. Reese Beekman Defensive Player of the Year. 
Kia Clark, third team All ACC. Jaden Gardner, honorable mention All ACC. UVA had three basketball players recognized by the Atlantic Coast Conference for their um, basketball performance. Um, Beekman, defensive player of the year, all defensive team, obviously, and third team all conference. Kia Clark, third team all conference, and made the all defensive team. Jaden Gardner earned honorable mention all ACC honors. Um, the team, I think, has a lot of talent. It has some obvious deficiencies when tied to shooting the basketball or scoring points. I still think this team can make a deep run in March Madness. I want to put this in perspective. The fan base was angry this year with a team that finished co-regular season ACC champions and finished second heading into the ACC tournament from a seeding standpoint. That really showcases what Tony Bennett has done with the program. Many in the fan base said the team has disappointed them this year with their performance, and we still finished as the regular season co-champions and are the two-seed going into the ACC tournament, which starts this week. It starts today. Does it start today? The lower seeds play today? I think maybe today. That really shows what Tony Bennett has done. And I want to take this opportunity to talk about the impact men's basketball has on Charlottesville and the Central Virginia economy. You can make a legitimate argument that nothing influences the Charlottesville and Central Virginia economy more positively than Tony Bennett's men's basketball program and influences the economy much more positively than football, considering there's a lot more games played and because this basketball team is light years ahead of football from a performance and achievement standpoint. I would definitely say it's done more positive influencing to the economy than football, and I would even say it's more positively influenced the Charlottesville and Almoro economy than graduation, because graduation is one weekend, where men's basketball season is months. Tony Bennett may be the largest single driver of the Charlottesville economy than who, who else in this community. And yes, obviously UVA as a totality or an entity drives the economy more than men's basketball. That's obvious. I'm talking events or single people. What event or team or single person more positively influences the Charlottesville economy than Tony Bennett? Can anyone think of one person? Can you? What team? So that's, it looks okay on the one shot with me. What do you think? Do you think it's readable there? The lower third? Or do you think it's too tight? It's vaguely readable. You think it's too tight? You think it's better on the two shot? I don't know. Ask I mean, our... Uh, viewers and listeners, do you think the headline that's on screen under my photo, under my, the image of me, is readable? And does it offer you value to let you know what we're talking about? I see the value it provides on the two shot when both Judah and I are on screen and we can let you know what's on there. But is that too difficult to read for you? I'm curious of your opinion. If you could offer some perspective, that would be great. Craig Kent is not a bad call, um, Matt Daring, the king of cycling. Craig Kent is not a bad call. Who else? Can you think of anyone, Judah, that more positively impacts the Charlottesville and Central Virginia economy than Tony Bennett. Craig Kent, by the way, is the chief executive officer of uh, UVA Health and executive vice president for health affairs at the University of Virginia. He is responsible for overseeing all of UVA health operations. That's a damn good one, Matt Daring. That's a, that's a very good call. I mean, I guess if we're, if we're, using, if, if we're using him, then you could say uh, Jim Ryan. 
but Jim Ryan, I would almost put into the, he's UVA, but I guess Jim Ryan and Craig Kent influenced the Charlottesville economy more than Tony Bennett. That men's basketball team, of any sport, you would say, impacts the economy uh, more so than anything. All right, let's go to a two-shot, and we'll get to comments. Today's a good show. really like where the show's going. I really like the contributions that Judah's making. And everyone, look at the screen. Are we on a two-shot? We are now. My, my co-host is a male model over here. Look at this guy. You're getting Philip Dow's giving you props. Wansar, Philip Dow's the king of Scottsville. <clears throat> Juan Sarmiento saying Judah throwing the supermodel vibe. Bob Sarmiento. Philip Dow said, wow, Judah's hair, nice. Judah looks like a geography teacher from Bill McChesney. <laughs> Um, geography teacher. He says you look like a geography teacher. I think he looks sharp. I think he looks sharp. Um, what, what, viewers and listeners, give some props to Judah in the feed. Daniel Pettit giving you some props. He says he tug in cheek. Who's the new guy with you? <laughs> Bring back the hippie. <laughs> uh, Daniel Pettit also says this. He's the king of tennis. He says, uh, Jerry, look at how not only police, fire people can't afford, who has caused the city of Charlottesville to be so unaffordable? Greed has caused this issue. Greed is causing this. Do you agree? I say it's certainly something. Mm. Um, oh, Matt Daring says, I think they should do an outdoor b-ball game at Scott Stadium like the NHL does. It's weather sensitive, but still, just a thought. That would get a lot more bodies in there. Matt, I'm going to respond to that. I think that's a damn good idea. Man, 60,000 at Scott Stadium watching UVA play basketball? I bet you they'd sell that out or get darn near close to it. I bet you they would sell, sell that out. Let's go to Twitter with the tweets that are coming on Twitter, the responses from viewers and listeners. They're pretty significant. Um, Linnell EDNU says... What's the price point for the cash buyback? And wants Judah to jump in here. Does it provide more cash to acquire more or better weapons? Will the department receive leads or use tracing from individuals' weapons acquired in the buyback? Your thoughts on that one? <clears throat> What's the? What are they paying for the guns? It's just once more of your take on the buyback. Um, I mean, it's a good question. Like, if you thought that you were getting $100 for a $50 gun, then you could go out and buy a better one. It's, well, that's what she said. That's basically what she said. I'm not, like, I'm not honestly saying that that's what people are going to do. But it's, it's a decent question. Like, really, uh, unless, you're, unless you're just straight up broke and you need the money to, to buy food, really, what's the purpose of... Uh, so you really are completely 100% down in the dumps with the gun buyback program. I think it looks good, but look up articles. There are articles that oh, say I, I've that read them. it doesn't really do much. And look at the comments from yesterday. I, I read those that, too. That feel the same way. And logically, thinking about it, it just doesn't add up. Like you got, you got people running around with guns. Do Are they... Are they looking at the news, like, saying, hey, hey, buddy, they got a buyback coming. We're going to make some money. No, they don't care. I see the potential of building human connection with people yeah, in high-risk crime yeah, areas. Yesterday you were saying, you were saying that the, uh, the, the walk-and-talks weren't, weren't enough. 
and that uh, and I took and too that, harsh of a stance. I took too. I mean, yes, I, I had conversation with my wife and some other folks that I trust. What I, I hope Michael Kachas hears this. Someone in the police department and city hall, please text Officer Kachas, Police Chief Kachas, this. Okay, please. I. He deserves significantly more runway. I agree. Significantly more runway. He is doing all the right things. He's been on the job not even two months. Let's give him more runway. I understand the concern that he's never led a city from a policing standpoint that has dynamics or wealth disparity like this. And I understand the concern that we've had a lot of crime since he's taken the gig. Mm-hmm. And he's the highest paid officer in the department. And one thing I'd like to hear more from, and they're friends of mine, and I believe one may be watching right now, I would like to hear some commentary from Jim Hingley and Joe Plantania, mm-hmm. the Commonwealth's Attorney of Albemarle County and the Commonwealth's Attorney of the City of Charlottesville. Because a lot of folks have said that relaxed, relaxed criminal justice reform, that criminal justice reform may be contributing to some of this, and that we were too lax or relaxed, and And the fullest fullest punishment the law allowed. What's that? And perhaps let some people go that shouldn't quite have been let go yet. Uh, Yeah, that makes sense. And I... I'm still, I still stand by the assertion that uh, what Cotchus and the police department are doing is not all going to be out in the open. It's not all going to be buybacks and walk and talks and town councils. A lot of the work they do is going to be, you know, the the on the on the street, you know, boots on the street. Uh, Finding out information. I think somebody puts in. Let's change the headline. We're we're confusing people with the headline. If you're uncertain at the headline, we need to get the nameplate back on, because uh, folks are asking about us talking about that. Well, I'm you using, could put if you want back on from a headline standpoint. The uh, um, read viewer and listener comments live on air in that top top line. Read viewer and listener comments live on air. That's not one of our... No, but you just type it out. Read viewer and listener comments live on air. Lisa Custolo, the queen of Cherry Avenue. I do not think hardened criminals nor gun enthusiasts will sell back their guns. For everyone else, maybe it will keep guns out of homes away from children. Recent shooting on Cherry Avenue, 17-year-old. Where did the 17-year-old get the gun? It's a great question. Where are children getting guns? It's a great question. Joel Bird, who's in the Hampton Roads area, says if the police want to make a difference in higher crime areas, there have to be enough police available so that officers can actually get out of the car and walk the areas they patrol to interact with the community. It's a strong comment. And Joel, we've had some issues in Charlottesville um, because the police department is one-third vacant, and it's a third of the department is currently empty from a staffing standpoint. And that empty staffing has to do with perception from the community, treatment from the community to the police, uh, police officers in the department. The fact that officers within the department can't afford to live in the community, that they're policing has caused some problems. A lack of pay, this defund the police movement, 50 or 60 socialists on Twitter being organized and galvanized and attacking the Charlottesville Police Department. 
I mean, all these contributing factors are impacting staffing. I like that. Instead of online, I think we should go on air. On, okay. That way viewers, it's, they know. Thank you. I like the lower thirds, uh, J-dubs. Nicely done. Um, I, that's a great question. Kevin Yancey of Waynesboro. How is it our police and military have to prove their proficiency with their weapons, but Billy Joe and Billy Bob do not? Prove their proficiency with what? You're saying that uh, Billy Joe and Billy Bob. Ask, our, ask our forefathers about that, able, Kevin Yancey. Shouldn't be able to use. He's basically saying you have to, if you're a cop or you're in the military, you have to show that you got skills or training with guns. But Billy Bob and Sally Joe can go to the Walmart or the Dicks and buy a gun, walk out the door, and go in their backyard and pop off some ammo, shooting some squirrels, hunting for acorns. I mean, it's an interesting question, but that I think it ask gets our forefathers. Too, I think it gets too far in the weeds of regulation and uh, right. Is I don't I don't know that. It, that's a Pandora's box for another day. Um, yeah, I don't know that it's really germane to, to this particular Kevin Yancey, discussion. that's a Pandora's box for another day. Um, all right, that's today's show. I'm, I'm grateful for you guys watching and listening to the program. David Butler says, I suggest a gun amnesty rather than buying back, taking back guns. Create an avenue for those that potentially have unregistered guns, the opportunity to register them at no penalty, pending background checks so there is more accountability. Does it solve the whole problem? Absolutely not. But it is one way to engage responsibility in the community. Just my opinion. Good job, David Butler. That was good. David Butler, I'm responding to you right now. Strong comment. I read this on air. Ooh, Daniel Kaufman is watching from Public. Daniel Kaufman, we're going to be there on Thursday to celebrate my wife's birthday at Public uh, during happy hour. We're very excited to make a memory at your restaurant, Public, and enjoy some of the best lobster rolls uh, my family has ever had. I sincerely mean that. We will see you on Thursday, Daniel Kaufman. Um, Daniel Kaufman says, um, an economic boom for participating businesses, free of violence, a diverse crowd, welcoming to all citizens, and a return to the mall for people who have sworn it off. He says that's what a successful block party looks like. An economic boom for participating businesses, free of violence, a diverse crowd, wel welcoming to all citizens, a return to the mall for people who have sworn it off. Damn good, Daniel Kaufman. I'm responding to that. That is a successful block party. Strong comment. I mentioned this on air. See you on Thursday during happy hour to celebrate family at public. Love that guy. Love his brands. Love his restaurant. Um, he says game days are great for business. And Daniel Kaufman also says this. I'm with him on this. It's all optics. It's not even good optics. He's siding with you, Judah. Mm -hmm. No one is like, hey, find, uh, finally a buyer for this gun I've had. No, I can live a life of nonviolence. <laughs> it's about making the connection with the community. It's about making the connection with the community. Come on. Vanessa Parkhill, the queen of Earliesville, I do not believe guns need to be registered. Private party sales are legal in Virginia. No background check required. If this has changed, please let me know. 
Do you know anything about that, Judah? David Not Butler, really. do you know um, thoughts on what Vanessa Parkhill just asked? I'm tagging you guys on the comment section. All right, um, Judah, anything you want to close with? Uh, let's see. Um, I don't know. Uh, I hope that uh, the block party goes well. I mean, uh, it could be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm less, I'm so much less worried about uh, the safety of the event than apparently uh, some people are. I mean, because I I get I you get just have a different why you're outlook. I get why you're pointing it out, but we have seen absolutely nothing. Not we got someone single... murdered on the downtown mall outside a restaurant. Literally, that happened. I know that. And there was an OK Corral shootout in the shadows of the Omni it, Hotel. Despite the fact that that two innocent bystanders were hit. That seems to be the outlier in these cases, and that was not a random event. The the man that was that was he murdered, was hunting a guy. It wasn't man, a random event. Yeah, the man that was murdered in that case was being mm-hmm. hunted, yeah. literally, right down the downtown mall. Now, could something like that happen in the in the midst of uh, of a Tom Tom festival? Yeah, it certainly could. But, and, and you're right that we should, uh, we should plan for, uh, you know. For I want to see an sec- overstaffed. security. I want to see an overstaffed uh, block party from a policing and security standpoint. I want to see it overstaffed. I want to see it overstaffed. Fair enough. Somebody's got to pay for it. But, overstaffed. But the point being that no matter how much security you have, it's not. 100% going to prevent something like this if it were to happen. Just like having a full police force wouldn't necessarily prevent the uh, what happened at the uh, at the, the sunshine shop the other day. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole with you. The full staffing of the police department will lead to better community engagement and more patrols, no. more human connection. I'm and those... Those tactics are preventative tactics for preventing violence. I don't disagree. No one thinks that a full police force will keep, will predict where gun crime will happen or will be able to take a flux capacitor and a DeLorean and Doc Brown's vision to stop it every time. But we are saying that a full police force will breed additional human connection with people in the community and that human connection can be a preventative tactic for preventing crime. That's fair. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. We're in agreement there. Yeah. It's certainly a topic to, that could have gone, you know. Um, all right. That's the talk show. It's a Monday. No, today's a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday. I think we'll do this uh, comment thing more often on the two-shot. People seem to like it. Um, Closing thoughts for your viewers and listeners. Male model, Judah Wickhauer. I thought I just gave them. You did. They were poignant. How about a closing thoughts on being now uh, Charlottesville's most eligible male model? Oh, good grief. Uh, I mean, you know where I work, ladies, so uh, come by and see me. (laughs) That was good. I like that. 
That was excellent. <laughs> know where I work, ladies. Oh, Lord. All right. Judah, Jerry, the I Love Seville show on a Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care. You know where I work. <laughs>